Welcome to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show. And welcome to the Dollars and Cents podcast with your host, Nicole Romito. Nicole, good to be with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Bill. As always, it's good to be back in studio with you. How are it's you today? It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure on this part, okay? I'm, I'm glad you enjoy my company because I, I, do I very much enjoy so being much. with you. So yes. what do you have in store for us today? Well, um, as I think you know and our listeners know, I always get super jazzed when I have one of my colleagues on as my guest in studio. And uh, I have Jeff Toner in studio with me today. Hi, Jeff. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Nicole. How are you today? I'm very good. Great. So Jeff and I are going to talk about estate planning, which on the surface might seem like a dry topic. And I know Jeff and I are going to talk about it's one that often people want to avoid or put at the very end of their to-do list. But we're going to talk about why it's more important than ever to be thinking about this and trying as much as possible to think about it ahead of time before you would even need the documents um, to come into play. So that's what we have teed up for today, Bill. For our listeners, before Jeff and I dive into that topic at hand, I'd love to um, share a little bit about Jeff's background. Uh, As I mentioned, I have one of my partners, Jeff Toner, with me today. He uh, has spent his entire career in the financial planning services industry. He actually was on the forefront of when our industry was being born, if you will. Um, Jeff and I have had the pleasure of working together for 18 plus years. Um, he is a proud graduate of the University of Notre Dame, and he thoroughly is enjoys and is very passionate about helping our clients um, really think about all the different pieces of their financial puzzle. How can they best put them together so that they are serving what is important to them and their loved ones? Um, he has a, a great knack of taking very complex topics um, and oftentimes very emotional topics and able to break them down into um bite-sized pieces, and he talks in a way that makes people feel comfortable to open up to him and to be able to uh, brainstorm with solutions on how to best get get their lives in order. Jeff, now that our listeners know a little bit about what you do professionally, um, would love for you to kind of share, I've had the pleasure of meeting your lovely wife, Maureen, but what you and Maureen enjoy doing when you're not working. Yeah, so... um... We've been married a long time, 38 years, and in those 38 years, we've had uh, three children, and uh, those three children are in the late 20s, early 30s, and uh, we just had our first uh, grandchild about three or four months ago, so that has captured our hearts and our time in the most recent, but overall, we spend... Uh, as Nicole knows, uh, we come from big families, so there's <laughs> yes. a lot of time spent with our family, either going out to watch sporting activities or plays or just having a Sunday dinner together. 
So we're into uh, being together and doing things together. So that fills up a lot of our time and we love it. That's great. And uh, I can't think of a better way to fill up and spend your time. So kudos to you that you and Maureen are able to do that. All right. Well, now that listeners know a little bit about you, why don't we just jump in and we're going to spend today our time together talking about, as I said, estate planning. And that's a very broad topic, which could go a million different ways. And what Jeff and I are going to have a conversation about is talking about how to do your planning um, in regards to if you are part of the sandwich generation. And that also, I think, is a kind of a generic term. So Jeff, why don't you start off with talking about how we're defining the sandwich generation? Who are we kind of gearing our comments to today? And how did they even get that name? Yeah, I think this name came back. I I forget exactly the uh, original source, but I think it was like a Newsweek or a Time magazine. And and it was it's probably a 20 or 25 year old kind of concept. But the idea was that people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s are kind of in the middle of dealing with, obviously, themselves and and their generation and their issues. But they have children that they have to worry about and and help along. And they also have uh, typically parents, you know, whether it's one or two, parents still in the picture that they're, you know, having to manage uh, two and four. So the idea here is... um, I think a lot of times people think about, you know, my estate planning or what I need to do for myself. But the reality is we're usually dealing with, you know, three generations when you're in your 40s, 50s and 60s. And so you're you're trying to manage a number of issues, not only your own, but, you know, how do you take care of your parents? How do you think about this stuff with your children? Uh, So. That's really what, in our mind, when I think about the sandwich generation, it's the fact that it's complicated enough to deal with it for yourself, but you also have to be aware of it for your parents and how they're handling things. And then, you you know, you have to worry about how you're going to handle it or set things up for your own children in the future. Yes, exactly. And I know even as you referenced, um, your children's children as well. Mm-hmm. Um I know um, for you and I personally, we are smack dab in that sandwich generation and often have conversations about how we're handling it on the personal side, um, as both you and I are experiencing that currently. Um, Why don't we maybe get into, we don't need to talk about our personal lives, but how we've had some examples of clients um, who are in this in this sandwich generation and what are some of the things that you know we've talked to them about or helped them work through yeah I mean this is an interesting topic because um, there generally is a little bit of a taboo still you know even in talking to people about these things you know so you know I I'm coming up on my 40th year next year of being in the business and oh gosh in a, in a exactly I in have a to way, add a few years you know, to your bio <laughs> yeah in a way I've had you know when I was in my 20s I was the young generation and then you know obviously I'm in the mid to late of the middle you know and I you know I still have a mother alive who's 94 so you know that's the example of of you know the span of these things um, but 
you know, the reality of this topic is that, you know, this taboo about talking to your parents about things is real and people are uncomfortable, you know, bringing it up to mom and dad and say, hey, have you taken care of this stuff or what do you want to have happen? And and the and for most of us, I would say because of that reality, it's not the first time that we're exposed to estate planning is typically not when a parent dies, but maybe even when their health starts to deteriorate. Or uh, we've had a number of cases, uh, I can think of a couple in the last uh, years, where, you know, I got a call from someone around my age saying, you know, my parent just found out they have advanced lung cancer and have three months to live. And Gosh. all of a sudden it's a, you know, it's like, what do we need to do? What do we need? How do we set these things up? What? And so all of a sudden it's a fire drill to look at things, you know, arrange things, get documentation done, you know, have <laughs> the conversations about in this case that I was talking about, you know, how are we going to take care of mom? You know, how do we, how, where is she going to live? So it, it was it was a a lot of layers of issues. And these people that I'm thinking of particularly were in their mid-80s. It, it wasn't like, you know, they were 42 years old and this came out of nowhere. So right, right. The, the point is that that there's a lot of situations where, you know, things thing our first experience as the sandwich generation is dealing with our parents and their estate plan and their estate needs. You know, I had another one, and these are probably the harder ones. Um, you know, as people have lived longer and longer, you know, there's there's more issues that we're finding with the mind and the ability to manage things. And we we kind of joke as we all get older about, you know, our we're, we're forgetting things and we can't you know, remember what we ate for breakfast type of things. Exactly. But, or why did yeah. I walk into the copier room? What exactly. am I doing in here? <laughs> yeah. But as, 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 as we see our parents age, that becomes much more of a significant issue when you're worried not only about their physical health, but really their ability to manage their own affairs. Um, yes. And so, yeah, dementia or Alzheimer's or some form of those type of issues a lot of the times as a someone who is the child of someone starting that it's a very difficult matter to manage because the parents typically aren't willing to admit or maybe even that they don't understand that that their capacity is is slipping right um and so you know when's the right time what's the right way to do it you know, how do you have these kind of conversations so that in the scheme of things, you're trying to do what's best for people. Uh, but sometimes it's not obvious. It doesn't happen on a Monday. Uh, it happens over a period of time and it and it it can be uncomfortable sometimes, you know, bringing up those kind of topics uh, with yeah, people. And I, I agree. Um, and a couple of things I know as I'm thinking about uh, as you're, you know, sharing your thoughts and our experiences are it's it's certainly uncomfortable for the parent to acknowledge or admit that they're starting to decline 
you know, from a physical or a mental capacity. But I think it's also, it's hard as the child, even though we're adult children, it's still hard to see your parents going downhill and admit it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, one of, one of the things I say, you know, it's funny as you get, I'm, I'm 61 and, you know, there's certain things in my life that I was, you know, prepared for. There's certain things in my life that I thought were going to be part of, you know, what I was responsible for. Um, I, you know, my, my current joke um, around this to deal with it is I didn't realize I was going to have to raise my parents, um, you know, <laughs> oh, because it right? just is one of those things. You just never think about it that way. You just, you know, they were always right. your mom and dad. They knew everything. And yeah, they took, took care, care of, of us. And right. So the roles do really reverse. And, and in a sense, it's kind of a, it's an unusual twist and, and, and you're not necessarily prepared for it the same way, you know, if you had a new child and you're like, okay, here's how we do this. It's right. a little bit of uncharted territory as to, you know, the way to do it and the, and the issues that you're going to have to deal with. Absolutely. I agree. And again, I know you and I have talked about this as we've gone through it and are going through it. Um, hopefully your mom and my dad aren't listening to this so we can use this, <laughs> use them as examples. <laughs> I know my mom can't log into anything, so we're safe. <laughs> she Also, she probably doesn't have her hearing aids in either. Exactly. So we're okay. <laughs> Um, but also too, so it's not only, you know, you as the child, but if you're not an only child, then you have siblings who may or may not be in the mix. So that adds another layer of, um, potential complexity, uh, potential discord. Again, I can speak from, from our, you're in my personal situation, you know, are, we're not all in the same physical location either. So that, you know, if you're the sibling that is local, is more falling onto you. If you're the sibling that's out of town, you know, what are you able to help out with? What do you want to help out with? Um, yeah, I think they're all real issues. And and I would say that, you know, you and I could go through our list of, of in a sense, war stories. But right. more often than not, it is a big factor of how to manage, you know, parents and parents situations and and uh, it can cause, uh, you know, unfortunately, probably more often than not, it's a place for disagreement and, and can yeah. cause some disharmony among and the family. Can, and, and we've seen siblings relationships end yeah. during times like this. Yeah. And that, you know, as we get into this, th this is one reason, in a sense, we worry about the taboo of talking about our to our parents about this stuff. But when you start to widen this out a little bit and understand the potential issues that could come along. Right. I think it's worth the conversation for some of these other issues that we're bringing up because having that conversation and creating those pathways so that information flows and parents, you know, and, and parents are able to express what their desires are and, and what they're, what's important to them. A lot of times that can really set the appropriate uh, tone. Yes. So that people, when there are conversations among siblings or whatever, they remember what their parents have asked them, uh, which every parent I've ever dealt with has always said, you know, my goal is to help with my children, but I, I want to maintain the relationships that they have with each other. I, they'd hate to think 
that money or control of an estate or whatever it is would be the reason that families get pulled apart. So I think that's why this topic, when we think about this topic, there's a lot of other layers than just the documentation uh, that we're going to talk about. Exactly. And I think that'll be a good segue is, you know, there are it's important to have the documents so your intentions are memorialized and you have, you know, your subsequent decision makers chosen. But exactly, I think and before we get into that, it's it is having the conversation with certainly the people that you are selecting to make decisions on your behalf, either when you are unable to, as you mentioned, the um, increase in cognitive decline that many Americans or people worldwide are experiencing, but also too, the one thing we all know that's going to happen, we don't know when, we don't know how, is but at some point each of us is going to die. So you want to make sure you're having the conversations about the people you're going to be asking to kind of step up and handle your affairs and execute your estate plan. But also, too, I know you and I have had many conversations with clients about how to prepare their children for what is, you know, the the level of wealth that is being passed down to them. And, you know, this is, as you and I have said, this is not a one and done conversation. This is a uh, almost like it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So you and I have a lot of conversations with the parents to kind of lay the groundwork. How do you have the conversation? What do you want to share? And then you're, you're, I agree, we've also seen that when we're working with the adult children and they're trying to talk to their parents is, I've had so many clients say, I don't want to appear I don't want to appear greedy or I don't need mom and dad's money. I they worked hard for it. I want them to spend it on them. And so it's really not a one size fits all, but tailoring it to the personality of our client and then also the dynamics of the family. I think that's absolutely right. So, you know, I think when people think about estate planning, they do think about these documentation, you know, so a will and a trust. And it's right. almost like a check the box kind yeah, of mentality. Exercise, right. Yeah. And I think what you're bringing up is right. To me, it's a lifelong process, you know. And so what I might tell a 15 year old might be different than what I tell a 25 year old, might be different than what I tell a 35 year old, et cetera. But the idea is all along the way, there is some communication going on. There's some awareness and and really at some level, um, I I personally think about it this way. You know, if if you've been fortunate enough to accumulate some wealth, what comes with that is some responsibility. And, and so, you know, part of that responsibility, as you kind of alluded to, you know, is preparing your children for, you know, handling money and handling situations and trying to get, you know, put it in the right perspective so that, you know, obviously it doesn't ruin them is what everybody worries about. You know, if I give them the money, if they know there's money coming, it's going to ruin them. Right. They're not going to they're going to be disincentivized to work hard or, you know, make their own success. But the opposite is true. You know, I look at some of the situations we've dealt with over the years and and in a way, 
this is where that conversations can come into play. You know, I've had really successful clients and I've heard them talk to their children and they they have said to the children, really the joy out of my life came from, you know, what I put into things, what I, what I, you know, how I worked at things, you know, and, and very infrequently, it's like, you know, I'm so glad my net worth is X or Y, or it, it really is about, you know, what you put into life and, and, and the energy and, and how you channel that and the relationships and the achievements that you had because of that. And, and a lot of times the most successful parents, you know, both financially and, and, you know, helping their kids get the right perspective are really talking to their kids about kind of a life philosophy and, and where joy really comes from and, and, and where significance and purpose and meaning come from. And it, it very infrequently is revolves around the money. Right. You know, so that's really, you know, it all starts, you know, you need the documents, you need to do the things, um, so that it flows and it, it gets set up in the right way. But I think the point we're both making here is it, it's a process and it's an education. And, and in a sense, it's also a responsibility of starting to prepare, you know, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a child, whether at some point, you know, we're now in the grandchildren with some of the people we work with, right. but preparing those people um, you know, for what is to come, you know, it's not all about, Hey, you're going to get $5 million. What do you want to spend it with? It's about, Hey, you're going to get $5 million. What does this mean in your life? And how are you going to still feel like you're able to be a productive citizen and, and contribute and be able to, you know, feel good when you look back at your own life and say, Hey, I accomplished some things. Hey, I did some things I wanted to do. Um, Absolutely. Right. How are you going to create or derive your own worth or your own value from your efforts? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I love where our conversation's going because, um, I think a lot of times when people are are thinking of, oh, a financial advisor or a financial planner, a, a lot of the people default to like the dollars and cents of it. And of course, that's important. And, you know, we we quantify and we'll discuss strategies on how to reduce uh, taxes and pass wealth to the next generation. But it's so much more than that. Um, and I know the conversations we've had with our clients go go really deep. And and as you said, by having the conversations while the parents are still alive, you know, still in tip top uh, mental shape, that really goes a long way for their children or grandchildren hearing the words from their mouth. Like, here's what, you know, dad and I are thinking, or here's, um, you know, here's how we got to where we're at. And you know, these are the the three things we learned along the way. And those are the important conversations. So, yeah. And I think, Nicole, the other part of that sandwich generation that we started to touch on, we were talking about our parents and, but, you know, people in their 40s and 50s and 60s, you know, they have kids too. Right. And as, as you well know, we'd like to think all our kids are perfect and they're all prepared and they're all, you know, we've done everything we can. But, you know, we talked about things that happened to our parents, but we have, you know, a lot of situations where mm. 
parents yes. have children that have different issues, you know, whether it's dependency issues, whether it's financial irresponsibility, they spend a certain way. We've had a couple in the last uh, year where people have married people that the parents are like, I-, I don't think that's a good fit. And I don't like how that's, you know, changing my child. So it 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 can be complicated things, you know, when you're starting to set up your estate plan and you're in your 50s or 60s and you're you're looking at your kids in their 20s or 30s and saying, you know, how does this work for them in the future? This whole idea of sandwiches, you know, on one side, you're trying to help out your parents and figure that out. And, and then on the other hand, you're trying to set up your own stuff to say, OK, if, if I die tomorrow, you know, how's this work for my own kids and their family? So it it, it and that as as we both know, uh, you know, often if you have three or four kids, you know, you're dealing with at least one issue. Uh, yeah, I, you know, with I, you those took, children. You took the words right out issue. of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I tell whether it's clients or friends, I'm like, if you're having, if you have more than one child, exactly. You're going to, you're going to have some issues or, or challenges along the way with, with at least one of them. Yeah. And I think the other part to that, just to maybe if people are listening to this, just so that they feel like they're not the odd duck. I said, <laughs> the dirty little secret after doing this for 40 years is, uh, everyone thinks everyone else's family is the perfect family. Yeah. Um, and the reality is there's very few of those uh, where you when you un, unpeel the onion, so to speak, that you'd say, oh, God, that is that that is the perfect family. Right. Uh, so the reality is most of us are dealing with, you know, issues and and, you know, things that we need to think through, work through. Um, and that that's totally normal. Um, and there's ways to deal with these things. Um, but, you know, you, you need to think them through so that you don't end up uh, creating problems if if you had just thought them through um, in a different way. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, so, Jeff, why don't we maybe pivot just slightly is we, we've referenced a little bit about the documents um, and we we think we know that's where most people's head go. To, oh, I got to hire an attorney. I yeah. got to draft. Most people know about a will. I feel like most people are familiar with the powers of attorney. Um, another foundation, another document for kind of your base or foundational estate planning document package would be a living or revocable trust. Why don't you spend just a few minutes walking our listeners through those key documents and sure. what each of them do and you know why you need more than just a will? Yeah. So typically I would say, you know, when people think about this and when, you know, I sit with someone new, they say, you know, I have a will um, or I don't have a will. So in, in, in most people's heads, you know, estate planning is usually a document and they usually call it a will. Um, the reality is most of us need what I would consider to be kind of a package of documents. Okay. And, and kind of as you alluded to, Nicole, there are three or four critical ones that most of us should have. Um, why don't I cover a couple, you know, why don't I cover them and and then we can kind of delve into any one that we want to go a little deeper. But the, the one that you first reference is called power of attorney. And there's really two different types of powers typically. 
One is for financial matters and one is for medical matters. So powers of attorneys are just, they're relatively simple documents, two, three pages typically. And it only comes into play typically when there is a disability or a, you know, where the capacity is either temporary or permanent, but it's where someone is still alive, but they're, um, they need help either they need someone else to make the decision for them either on a medical issue or handling some financial matters. So that that's that's a living document typically handling some lifetime, whether it's short-term or long-term disability uh, issues. The other documents... It, Jeff, uh, if I can just add sure. on to that. Um, so for our listeners, with the power of attorney, uh, they are what they're called statutory forms. So those are specific to each state. Um, so we have a lot of our clients that move around either for if their jobs, you know, they get new jobs in a different state or when they retire. So you want to make sure that they are in line with the current state that you're living in. And they are very straightforward because the attorney, your attorney's not drafting them. The state has what's called a, like a template or statutory form. And the other thing um, I just want to add on before Jeff goes into the other documents is your power of attorney is only in effect while you're alive. So that power will die or pass with you. And that's why you're going to need some of the other documents that Jeff's going to go into now. Yeah. So the other documents, I'm going to put them in the categories. There's a will okay. and there's a trust. So a will... There's different forms of wills. One is called a simple will. One is called a pour over will. But a will basically is a very simple document that says, you know, when I die, this is who I want to, you know, settle my affairs. And this is who I want to kind of take the necessary steps to, to handle what I have. As, as people have more financial assets, uh, the will will be typically something called a pour-over will. Um, and a pour-over will would say, if I haven't put everything, all my assets into my trust already, my desire is to move everything that I have into that trust. So the will in that kind of situation is really, you know, it has a short-term function you look at someone's assets and say, is everything in the trust or not? If it's not in the trust, you know, it gives the uh, executor the ability to move an asset that wasn't retitled to the trust into the trust. So that's that's typically what we would see is something called a pour over will. So the, the main and the most important document typically for, uh, you know, people and, and our clients is what is called a trust. And you'll hear different ways that this gets referred to. You'll hear it as a living trust, a revocable trust. Um, you know, and and um, so you'll see, but at the end of the day, they're all similar and, and in essence the same. And so what a trust does, uh, typically, you know, I'll use me for, for instance, I have a trust and the name of my trust is Jeffrey M. Toner, trustee of the Jeffrey M. Toner Trust dated June 17th, 1992. So it is a trust that I set up 
I'm the trustee of my own trust. I have retitled my assets into that trust, and I'm in complete control of the assets in that trust. It it allow. I mean, really, day to day, you you don't even think about it. It just functions as if it was in your own name. But from a practical standpoint, doing that kind of document allows for your assets to be managed. If I was disabled, I have a successor trustee who can just step in very quickly. I don't have to retitle on anything. I don't have to you know, show anybody any new documents, so to speak. So it, it handles a disability. It also handles when I die. It says, here's what I want to have happen with my assets when I die. So it's all kind of laid out. It's all handled. Um, and the advantage of doing this is that, in essence, you've pre-thought, you've pre-planned. Um, and so when you go to settle an estate in this fashion, it's really pretty seamless. It, it goes fairly quickly if you've done the work beforehand. And so you're not leaving your family with a burden of you've just lost a loved one and now you got to go find where things are and does a person have a will or not. And um, there's another thing called probate, which is just if you don't have these types of documents in each state, they have a probate court, which is basically a court that is is set up to function so that if someone died and they didn't have a will or they didn't have a trust, it would the 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 state of Illinois, that's where I live, would you'd go to the probate court and they have preset rules that say, okay, someone has ten dollars, this is where that money goes. Hey, pardon the interruption. I know you are listening to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito, and we're happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to myprivatevista.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. So all this, all these documents, think about it as you're expressing your thought as to what you want to have happen under certain circumstances. Um, and so it provides clarity for, you know, future generations and, and, and under different circumstances. Um, so it it handles that flow of assets uh, for all the possible situations we may have to face. Absolutely, and so I I think you you laid it you outlined it in a a nice straightforward fashion, and I think it also highlights why people can tend to want to put this off or keep it at the bottom of the to do list because you are making. Uh, fairly big decisions about who's managing your affairs, how you want things to pass, to whom and when. Um, and again, I would say generally, if not all of us, we don't like to think about our own mortality. But one of the things I that you highlighted, but I want to emphasize for our listeners is, you know, this is this is going to happen whether you, you know, you plan it now or you just say, you know, you keep putting it off or you don't plan at all. Right. And so a couple but, of things oh, go on. Did I was just going to jump in sure. when I have a person that's on the fence and and, and we do. I mean, we do because Very, of the reasons that you. Yeah, I I the way I somewhat try to motivate someone to take action is 
I, I usually say, you know, we, we, we're in Illinois, but this could apply to all 50 states. I say, would you rather the state of Illinois make these decisions for you? Or right. would you rather would you rather try to make your best, you know, your best estimate of what you think is appropriate? And and usually people get the idea that that I'm trying to portray is you may not be perfect. You may not have thought it all through. You may not. What you decide today may not be what you have in five years and 10 years, but I can guarantee you what your ideas are and what your thoughts are, are a lot closer to quote unquote perfection than what the state of Illinois is thinking about. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's one thing we can all agree on. Yeah. It's, you don't want the state of Illinois. Uh, in, you want them involved as little as possible and certainly not making decisions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and that's another point I think to emphasize for our listeners is while you're still competent or able to manage your own affairs and alive with the documents that we laid out here for you today, you can change them at any time. So kind of your base estate planning document package, it's all revocable or changeable, whether you're moving assets in or out of the trust, changing how they are distributed, and who's helping make decisions if you're unable to. So yeah, abs- absolutely. You know, you know, when if you think about, you know, I'll go back. I did my documents in 1992. Well, a lot has changed since 1992. <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, I would think the expectation would be you get these core set of documents in place, but you do you revisit them, you you your search situation changes. Your circumstance may change. The, to your point, Nicole, it it's just a process, and and it it would be very typical to evolve the documents with you, you know, as you do that. I've probably had my own documents, what they call restated, which just means really updated, mm-hmm. uh, two times in in that period of time. Um, so it is it is it is not unusual, and in fact, it is very typical you know, that you would keep going back to this and saying, okay, given where I am today, given the tax law where it is today, given, you know, my family situation today, what what needs to be updated or modified? Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're gearing our, our focus or remarks towards the sandwich generation. As Jeff knows, many of our listeners may as well, I don't have children, so I have half a sandwich, if you will, but I still have all the documents that we've been discussing today. And I think it's it's almost even more important um, because I won't have, you know, typically won't have any default beneficiaries. All my family lives out of state. So I've tried to put everything in order. So if, you know, something happens to me or when something happens to me, you know, it's all outlined and easy for them to deal with, even though they don't live locally in the state of Illinois. So I I think with that, those are kind of our base documents. There's certainly many other documents and strategies that could come into play. And uh, just, Jeff, as we're talking, I think what we'll do is have you back for an additional episode, and we can kind of talk about what are the next steps um, as your situation and net worth evolve. What are some other documents or strategies that might be applicable? Sure. With that, I know one thing that Jeff and I always talk about, as do our colleagues with all of our private VISTA clients, is 
you know, yes, you do need an attorney to draft the documents, although we will talk you through what they are, what they do. None of us here are lawyers, so we would work with your attorney or we could recommend one who will actually do the formal drafting of those documents. We have found that because we're talking with clients about their entire financial picture, more often than not, we We've either met their children or we certainly know a lot about their family just from all the conversations we have. And we're able to really educate them and talk through the pros and cons of each choice or option um, in the context of their overall plan. And I know I've heard Jeff say this many a times in meetings um, is our first responsibility. We want to make sure that you, our client, Whichever, if you're the parent, the grandparent, or the adult child, whoever our client is, we always want to make sure you're going to be okay. So we plan and we want to make sure you're okay if life goes as planned. But we also want to have some buffer for the inevitable bumps in the road that we know is going to come with living life. So Oftentimes, we have found that it's easier for clients to make these decisions and then move forward because they have a full understanding that they're still going to be okay and able to live life how they want to. Jeff, why don't we talk a little bit about, you know, uh, is there anything I would say that you want to talk about, like any additional reasons of why it's beneficial to, you know, have these conversations before you need to and have the documents in place. Maybe we can kind of wrap up with some key takeaways yeah. or anything else yeah. you want to make sure to highlight for our listeners. Well, I, I think part, it kind of goes back to some of the things that we've talked about before. I think being proactive about this has a, a number of benefits. An important one is I think all of us want to have a sense of control over what really does happen. So by going through this process, in a sense, you're making the decisions. You're saying, this is what I think is best. And so for me personally, and I think when we deal with clients, that's a very motivating factor is that that at the end of the day, they can put their head on the pillow and say, you know, I've taken care of these things. And I, I'm comfortable that what I've set up will work and, and will help the people that I love and all those types of things. So I'd say the first part I'd say about estate planning and just being in it is the fact that if you do it, the outcome is is reflective of what your your goals, your values, all those things are. So that that's pretty motivating. Absolutely. Um, I think the other part, you know, and we've touched on this a little bit, is it allows you also to educate, provide clarity for your family you know, do more of those types of things so that, you know, the ability to communicate that to your children, the ability to explain that to your children really magnifies the outcome, you know, being positive. When you as the parent with your child, you say, it's okay to talk about these things. It takes that taboo away. And therefore, you know, there's more of a free flow of information and and so you can help those children start to understand why you're doing things and and what that means and and you know if there was issues between siblings you can answer their questions and a lot of times um just being able to feel comfortable 
about having conversations reduces the stress level among families dramatically. There's no secrets. No one's trying to do something, you know, nefarious on the side. So <laughs> right. um, it it just helps achieve what I think most of us would be, would be a, you know, harmonious family into the future. We, we really haven't touched on this at all, Nicole, and it's probably, as you kind of alluded to, better in a in a, another conversation. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times estate planning, when you have, you know, significant wealth, estate planning also has a, a reduction of tax aspect. And yes. it has, a, and, yeah. you know, the other way to think about it is it allows you to keep more money in the family. So, you know, you've taken 30, 40 years to build up this wealth. Uh, you'd like to think that most of that can pass on to, you know, your family. But that's not necessarily the case. And so um, there's a process and, you know, discussions that you have around what are things that you can do to try to mitigate the taxation and the transfer taxes and and things like that that exist, uh, let alone, you know, some of the income tax issues that may also pop up. So another reason to do this is is to try to at least understand and and maybe manage the tax aspect of it. Um, and and really finally is kind of what we, you know, if I think about why do we get up in the morning anyway? Uh, a lot of us are motivated by trying to make the world a better place and specifically, you know, trying to help the people that we love. So I, you know, that has a lot of layers to it, you know, and we've touched on a few of these. It's, you know, getting the right documentation in place. It's opening up the lines of communication. So it's okay to talk about this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, it is about helping uh, and maybe, you know, making it a little bit easier for the next generation than it was for you. Uh, and, And in essence, hoping that they use that as a springboard to even make the world a better place than it than it is now. So I think all these things are the reason in my mind to really commit to, you know, what we would define as active estate planning, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a process over a lifetime, you know, focused around your goals. Yeah, I I think that's a great way to sum up our conversation today, Jeff. Um, so for our listeners, I think a couple takeaways are it is a process. It's an ongoing conversation because not only are you, your loved ones, your personal situation, certainly the world around us, all of that is very fluid and continually evolving. So this is not Typically, I I know we always try not to say always or never, but typically it's not a one and done. So if you, I think if you can kind of look at it from that, maybe it will not be as daunting. You're just dipping your toe in, you're getting some, at least starting it out, and then you'll just go from there. So Jeff, you know, I think you and I could probably talk about this for a week. Uh, we've already decided that we're going to have you back for another episode and we'll, we can do a deeper dive into this. So I just want to thank you for sharing your time. And what I know is just a sliver of your wisdom and experience with our listeners today. So I appreciate you taking time out to uh, chat with me today. Happy to do it. And, uh, you know, I would encourage people to 
take this on. And I think at the end of the day, I think they'll feel like it was an important step as part of their kind of overall financial plan, but mm. also just their overall family plan for money and handling aspects of life. Oh, I love that. I love that because so often people think you and I and our colleagues are just, you know, up to our eyeballs and spreadsheets and projections and present values and things. And it's so much more than that. And you hit the nail on the head with it's it's taking care of your family, your loved ones. And how do you do that in a way that works for your individual situation? Exactly. So with that, I think, as you know, I ask each of my guests, if you could live anywhere in the world, you didn't have any type of constraints on you, whether it's financial or time or, you know, anything dictating you're in one physical space, where would you want to live and why? That's a good question. Well, thank you. Um, I think there'd be a lot of potential areas for my answer, but the general answer would be somewhere on an island Ooh. with a beach with a a breeze of some sort and a little bit of shade from a palm tree or something like that <laughs> just because of my uh my skin my sensitive skin your fair uh, complexion <laughs> exactly uh but it would revolve around something like that and hopefully i each year can get a few weeks of that into my uh calendar Oh, sounds delightful. All right. Well, thanks again uh, for joining us today. And we'll look forward to having you back in a future episode. Okay. Thanks. Have a good day, everybody. You know, Nicole, I always enjoy listening to the answer to that question. <laughs> I know I do too. <laughs> it, it makes it makes me it makes me think every time about oh, God, where would I be? What if Nicole asked me that question? I don't have right? an answer yet. Oh. But I have a different answer every time somebody, you know, is yes. on the show. If I could add one observation to the, today's conversation, uh, and it's a personal one, it's that, you know, in the instances of people I have known, when there have been issues over estates, it has been because there has been a lack of transparency between, uh, in, in these cases, the parents and the kids and stuff. So I found that part of the conversation really interesting, and I hope people pay attention to that because the more people know, actually, the less trouble <laughs> there is, not the more trouble it creates. Yeah, I think that's a, a great observation, Bill. So I also think you. it starts with I, 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 the more I've done this with uh, people. I have said to parents who are in their 70s and 80s, like it, it's really your responsibility to open this conversation because mm -hmm. it, it's it's not comfortable for a 40-year-old to say to a 75-year-old, you know, have you done your estate planning and can you share that with me? And but but you know, because it does sound like what are you trying to put me in the grave early? Right, right. And, and I, it, you know, it isn't and. I think that that's what I've said. You really should open these lines of communications because to your point, Bill, the other thing Nicole and I have seen, um, people get into this weird psyche, you know, even with the documents that'll say, hey, if I die, I'm naming, you know, Bill as my uh, executor or backup trustee. And, and that 
kids will be like, geez, why didn't they name me? And why didn't they, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> yes. Hey, if you really knew what that was, you would be thanking your parents, not, you know, exactly. It, it's a it's a thankless job and it's a pain in the ass job. Um, yet people, you know, people, Kids even in, it's amazing to me, kids in their 50s and 60s are like, ah, you know, I'm so mad my parents named this other person. You're like, how old are you? You sound like a four-year-old, you know, like mom loves me better, you know, and and they just, so it gets down to what you're kind of alluding to. The perception of a lot of these things is what causes the problems. It's not the reality. And if you don't have those, if you don't have those conversations, then, you know, it's like a lot of things. If you leave, if you leave it unanswered, then the people, in a sense, can fill in the answer any which way they want. Um, exactly. And, and, and it's the miscommunication or the perception, you know, my perception of this and the reality is that it's when those things don't line up that we see a lot of family strife, you know, and it's, it's not easy. So. No, and it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be hard. It, it, it doesn't. And, and, and you're right. Like the more people know, usually the more people know, the better the situation ends up being. It's, yeah. And I, you know. I think especially in estate planning, a lot of times in estate planning, there's this perception that's really secretive and Nicole and I have a lot of situations. Like, I don't know what my parents are doing. I, you know, right. I'm sure I'm sure I'm going to get screwed or I'm sure they're going to favor, you know, Mary over me because they they spend more time with her. And it's all these kind of, you know, perception issues. And they could be sitting on those issues for 20, 30 years. It's one of those things. I think 90, I don't, we can't get to 100 percent, but 90 plus percent of the issues that we see could be avoided if there was conversations. And then the rest of it is just, you know, the reality of the, uh, that we see, too, is often if you have three, four or five kids, those kids in their 40s and 50s, they're at different financial positions. You know, so some of them may not need it. Some of them may, um, you know, have different ideas of what should be done. Um, you know, but but again, I think just opening the door to conversation is is the most important aspect of this. I 100% completely agree and add my uh, hearty amen to that. As a matter of fact, Uh, thanks for the conversation, folks. I I really, really appreciate it. Nicole, people who regularly listen to this podcast know that this is what they can expect when they listen. People who may be listening for the first time may be thinking, hmm, I'd I'd like to talk further with those folks. How can uh, those who want to get in touch with you reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. The best way to get in touch with whether they want to talk with me or Jeff or any of our advisors at Private Vista, uh, there's two ways. You can call 312-831-4370 and Lorena, our receptionist, can get you uh, in contact with Jeff, me, or again, one of our colleagues. Or you can go to our website at myprivatevista.com. And near the upper right-hand corner of our homepage, there'll be a contact us button and you can put your information there. And we do ask, please reference that uh, you're following up on this podcast episode. And again, we'll get you in touch with Jeff, myself, or one of our colleagues. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Nicole. And thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you found it informative and useful. And if you like it and you're not already a subscriber, hit the subscribe button for crying out loud. That way you don't have to think, when did Nicole, I went, where did I see that or hear that? Or No. If you're a subscriber, it gets delivered to you on whatever listening device you're using, and you won't miss another episode. We also humbly ask, maybe think about giving it a rating as well and sharing it with others so that you can help spread the news about this podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Bill Tucker, and on behalf of everybody at Private Vista, thanks for listening. And remember, do not wait to live your best life. Live it today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.